Welcome to episode 36 of the Daniel Yoris podcast with today's guest, Jenny Lamb. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I'm joined here again by Jenny Lamb, fellow trainer from Toronto. She's all over the place, wears many hats, like many of us do, a health coach, nutrition coach, a fitness coach, and all of the fun things. Jenny, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Daniel. Of course. It's been a pleasure. You know, we've we've gone back and forth a little bit on social media and finally got to chat this week and found out that we had some common friends or, or one common friend, actually. So it's, it's, it's crazy how Toronto's a big city, but it's really not that big of a place. Yeah, I would say that. I, like, I was born and raised in Toronto, so I would say it's a big city, but yeah, like, you know, eight degrees of separation, right? Yeah, exactly. And sometimes even feels feels like less. But just to get us started, I think that's a good good starting place that you were born and raised in Toronto. I want to give you a chance just to kind of let us know who you are, let the listeners know who you are, what your story is, and, and uh, introduce okay. yourself. All right. So as Daniel was introducing, um, I am an integrative nutrition health coach and certified personal trainer based in Toronto. I've been in the industry for over six years. I think my bread and butter would be one-on-one personal training and uh, nutrition health coaching. I'm also a fitness instructor at a local boutique gym called Fit Factory. I teach uh, virtual classes for a lot of corporate companies. Uh, I'm also the lead female coach on a fitness app called Umfat. Uh, I also teach fitness classes on a fitness network called Body Rock TV. And then during the pandemic, I guess I started teaching online virtual classes through my own platform. And um, and yeah, and I also do online training as well. Awesome. Well, like I said, lots of hats. And we've all had to uh, to adapt in so many different ways with different apps and virtual classes and some not virtual stuff, outdoor training and all the things. And I think that you've done about as good a job as anyone with adapting and making the best out of it. Like you are not one of the people in the fitness space that I ever saw complaining about all of this stuff. Of course, you know, we've all had to adjust and to kind of taken a hit to some degree, but you were never someone saying, oh my God, uh, poor me, poor me, I can't do this, right? You, you know, you took what you had and made the best of it. Yeah, I think the whole time, especially in the peak of the pandemic, when it just started, I was just um, enjoying the time off because I'm like, I'm the type of trainer who tend to like overbook myself or I burn out. So I was like, oh, okay, it's, it's nice to have a week off and I don't have to tend anybody. And then, you know, obviously um, the reality checker, like, oh my God, we're not getting paid right now. <laughs> so, um, but instead of worrying about my bills, I think at the time I was like, how can I give back to the com- com- community? Cause like, I know I wasn't the only one worrying about bills at the time. I was like, you know what? There's other people who need fitness right now because they have no access to it. So um, I remember just starting off giving, offering free virtual classes on, on IG live. Remember when people used to do that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, and I was just doing IG live and like demonstrating that I can teach online and that just led to a lot of other opportunities. And now, yeah, I'm like virtual too. Of course. Do you think a part of that was almost teaching or demonstrating to yourself that you could teach online? Because of course, you know, now in hindsight, we know that we could do it, but in the past, and I've, I even struggled with this myself as well, is like, I don't know that I can deliver the same quality of service in this online format as I do in person, especially because we're so heavily in person. We rely so much on body language and and touch uh, feedback and stuff like that. And all of that is kind of gone in the online space. So we almost have to prove to ourselves like, hey, I can do this too. Yeah, for sure. I think I also like was fortunate enough to have that practice from Body Rock when I was filming virtual like classes while they were filming me working out and then I'm like teaching, talking to the camera kind of thing. So that kind of like helped me with not being as shy on IG Live and now like just on Zoom. But then also I feel like with the practice on like these Zoom workouts, it kind of help me refine my cueing a little bit more and then that abundance of extra time we have we get to like learn a lot i use the time to like take virtual like online courses uh, bought a bunch of books and like we're just reading and just learning for sure yeah time. i mean yeah. we we did buy back or not buy back we did gain back a lot of time and some of us 
use that time to watch Netflix. Some of us will use that time to improve or grow in, in other ways. And, and both things are fine. No judgment in either direction. Um, but, you know, it, it is something that because we, you know, sell our time, it's it's hard to find that time for you. And, and never mind, like the learning stuff, just the regular life stuff to go out for dinner to, you know, just have a night of watching movies and kind of just relaxing. It's hard to find that time sometimes. Yeah, for sure. How did you get into fitness? Where did this where did this all start for you? Wow. All right. So this is like a, let me think, how did this start all started? So let me just take you back to like 30 year old me when I decided to become, I'm 36, by the way, <laughs> 36 year old, 30 year old me when I decided to become a personal trainer. So it's like, not like a, I quit a nine to five job to pursue my career to become a personal trainer story. In fact, like I've never had a nine to five job in my life, in my lifetime. I think I've done it all with incomes of like, odd jobs, pretty much like trying to figure out my life. I was like working for like Rogers selling cell phone contracts. I was a mystery shopper. I was, uh, I was a waitress for a long time. I even owned my own nail salon at one point. Um, and then also I was a nightclub promoter and, and like also, um, club waitress. So bottle service girl for a while. So this is when like I was a nightlife promoter and waitress and life wasn't like very fulfilling. The late nights and drinking was like no longer aligning with my lifestyle because I started working out. Um, and then one day unexpectedly, I think a health coach and fitness mentor kind of swooped in and changed my life, maybe even saved my life. It was so transformative that I dedicated myself to paying for that coaching and mentorship to help others struggling as well. So I think that's pretty much sums up how I become a personal trainer and health coach. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful story. I, I completely didn't know that about you. Um, I didn't know that you had all these other, uh, other jobs before, but, and as much as they may seem unrelated kind of on the surface level, they all sound like they're service related. And so you're taking care of others in different forms and fashions. And I think that that translates over very well to, to fitness because as much as yes, we need to be like good coaches and know our physiology and our anatomy and exercise programming and all that stuff. We have to be good at taking care of people first. (laughs) And if we're not good at that, then none of the other stuff really matters. Right. So, so it all kind of translates well and, and culminates in this. And it's another, you know, one of these very common stories where it, fitness saves our life and, and whatever save your life means to you or to anyone listening, it, that's all relative, right? But then we want to give that back and say, oh, this was so good for me. If it helped me this much, it can certainly help more people. And I want to give that back. So I think that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So that sums it up, up like, like a short story of how I got there, how I got there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, a lot more to it, and we don't need to go into it. But it's. But it's nice to know um, the background of kind of where where everybody comes from, because like I like I often refer to here, and, and you speak to as well, is that you know we're we're people first, we're humans first, and so there's something that we all can relate to. And so, like I said, you know, a couple minutes ago, we might be great coaches, we might be great at exercise programming or cueing and all these things. But if someone can't relate to us, then it doesn't really help as much. So someone might relate to your story because their story might be very similar. Someone might relate to my story because their story might be very similar to mine or to someone else's. And so I think it's important to to share that about us that we're not just, oh, I eat chicken and broccoli and I work out all the time. And that's like, that's not who we are. That's one piece of who we are, but that's not who we are. Yeah. I mean, we all went through that chicken and broccoli phase at one point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I even... I catch myself sometimes eat like doing it by accident. It's like it'll just be a meal of chicken and broccoli and rice. And it's like I wasn't I didn't plan on that specifically, but it's like I just actually also enjoy those foods. And it's like, yeah. oh, this is such like a bro meal to eat. I want to not yeah, do this. I know. It happened to me a couple of times and I'm like taking a picture of my food and I'm like, fuel. And I'm like, oh, it's chicken and broccoli. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How stereotypical. But I think that's another, that's, that's one of the things that I, that I wanted to talk about with you is, is viewing the food as fuel, fuel, something that you post nearly every day. How did you, like, what's the story there? Was there a time when you had a quote unquote bad relationship with food and didn't view it, view it as fuel? Uh, I didn't even know food can be fuel before. I think like just also growing up with immigrant parents, they were in, like nutrition wasn't a thing. Like my parents fed us for survival. Cause so I have four sisters. So four. there's five of us and we live in this, like I grew up in this Victorian house in Kensington market. 
Um, so also as a child living with like four other sisters, if you don't eat, there's no food pretty much. So it was like, literally my parents would just feed me like, like it wasn't like a healthy diet at all. There was no such thing. Right. So they just feed us for whatever we want to eat. Mostly, most of the times it's like some sort of protein and rice or some sort of protein or just instant noodles. That's like our main thing for a long time. And I didn't exactly learn what nutrition is until I became a health coach or personal trainer and like learning nutrition from scratch. Um, and basically I can, from, and then just like learning in the last few years of learning about nutrition from different experts in the field and also just from my course, uh, food is fuel. It, it basically shapes your cells and helps you build your muscles and your tissues in your body. And I see how I did that for myself and just healing my body because when I used to be a bottle service girl or waitress, I wasn't prioritizing protein. So I was always hungry. And then what happens was I always like overconsume on sugar or like processed food. And that's what usually what happens to us when we're just not aware of what we put in our body. So as until I started cleaning up my diet, I noticed that um, a lot of things that like health issues that I had, I was like starting to heal. So that's why I always talk, talk about how food is fuel. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an important shift to make for, for a lot of people. One thing kind of going back to, you know, you, the way you grew up, do you find a lot of parallels in terms of like, it, it sounds like your parents didn't necessarily cook healthy, but it wasn't junk food. So are there a lot of things in that simplicity of cooking that are actually more healthy than we kind of give credit to just because it's not necessarily thought of as healthy? They didn't, they didn't try to make it healthy. That was just the food that they ate. But it sounds like, you know, a little bit of protein, a little bit of rice and vegetables like that's that's pretty well how we should be eating anyways. Yeah, in some 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 ways, but like minus the MSG, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it does taste good. So yeah, it does taste good. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, building off of that, this this concept of food and, and guilt. A lot of us struggle with this. We don't want to have dessert because we're going to feel guilty about, you know, having dessert because that's not healthy. That's not what we're supposed to do. It's getting us off track. What I've seen from you and you recently went on a little trip and you were talking about all the food you're eating, all the delicious food you're eating and not feeling guilty about that. So tell me a little bit about that in terms of how to make that switch in your mind to not feel guilty about eating the good food in, in, within reason. I think with myself, I have a worth it scale when it comes to certain food. I think it's like as a coach, if you've been like tracking your meals for a long time, you know how much calories or certain foods are. And then sometimes like, like you like have this mental thing with yourself. Like, is it, I, and I battled with this for a long time. Like, okay, should I feel bad after eating this ice cream or should I feel bad after eating a slice of cake? But like you eventually learn to let go because, you know, at the end of the day, it's giving you happiness. It's giving you connection uh, with, let's say I'm like my partner and my husband, he like, he's a big foodie himself too. Right. And he's a trainer as well. So for us, when we enjoy food together, that's a, a form for us to connect you know, sometimes it's healthy and then sometimes it's not right. Um, and when we're on a trip, we learn to like, let go of not being so uptight because it's only temporary. We're only away for four days. And we know that because of the way we train, we can basically bounce back easily as, as long as we're like hitting, get, eating enough protein. And while we're away, we still prioritized eating enough protein for our body. Some days might be a little off, but you know, it's like one or two days. It's not compared to like, you know, it's like what we do 80% of the time and going on this trip is maybe like the 20. Right. And, and I think at the same time, I know I certainly feel like this for myself because when I have junk food desserts and all these kind of things, because I don't usually have them, I find that I enjoy them way more than if I was having them regularly. So, you know, yeah. you get to, you get to splurge on that meal and, and you, you enjoy it way more rather than someone who's eating pizza, you know, four times a week or whatever food it might be. Yeah. hundred percent. And then like for me, like, for example, like I'd rather have a really good burger from let's say burgers, priest or 
big trouble burger and it's like nice and juicy and like I know where like, they get their ingredients from and it's just worth it for that whole like 800 calories or whatever it is versus like eating a, big, a, a burger from McDonald's like man, don't get me wrong some people may be like that McDonald's burger is their like like rate up like one to ten it's a ten and they're worth it scale then okay by all means that's your worth it scale right but for me like it's not really worth it so I don't even view it as food right Tell me, tell me about your worth it scale. What's, what's on it and how did you, how did you develop this for yourself? Uh, I think this is an interesting one that will probably be super, super helpful for some people to think about the way uh, they, okay. they consume um, their food. My worth it scale would like, yeah. So you rate something from like, let's say one to a 10 or five to a 10. Let's say five to a 10. It's something that's like around the five. And it's not like, if you look at the macros and calories, it's not really worth it for you. Maybe you don't need it. Maybe it has to be a 10 for you to like, you know, put in your body because you love your body so much that it's not really worth to like go off your macros and throw off calories for that day. Right. So, 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 so for example, like Magnolia Bakery's like banana pudding, that's a 10 out of 10 for me. Right. But also that's like a very rare occasion where I get to have that because that's only in a New York thing or when I'm in this, in the States thing. Right. So, um, another 10 out of 10, let's say over here in Toronto, I'd say like a slice of that pizza from Buka. Have you ever been to Buka? I have been once, yeah. Been once? Okay. Yeah. So they have this like truffle, truffle like brada pizza and it's out of this world. So that's a 10 out of 10. Am I going to eat a slice of pizza from Pizza Pizza? Probably not. Probably never because it's not, that's like a zero to five out of 10 for me. So right. if I like walk by, like I would browse through, like walk by Pizza Pizza or Wendy's or Tim Hortons and those restaurants are just not even like, doesn't even register to me, it registered to me that it's a restaurant. It's just like, it's just like another shop. Yeah, no, I, I think that, I think this is a really good way to, to break it down because it's like, if you're going to have a cheat meal, don't, don't settle for like shitty pizza like have like really good pizza yeah. right yeah and, and then but that's just for me because some people maybe like that kind of pizza right, right. And maybe that's a 10 for you okay right. then go for it right but it but it is good to to value those things because sometimes uh, you know you'll find uh, maybe in office settings I, I guess not as much anymore not going into the office but someone will just you know bring in a box of like tim hortons donuts and then because yeah. it's there you know you, you one might feel obligated to just have one or have half or have whatever and it's like well you didn't really enjoy it and it's not healthy for you and you know you ate way too many calories and it like wasn't all that good but you still had it and now you feel bad about it and it just didn't satisfy anything didn't check any boxes but yeah. you know you bring in a donut from some i don't know from some fancy bakery like, i can't think of or something sure yeah. you you're a much better foodie of the toronto food <laughs> places than i am so you bring it you bring a donut from there and it's like wow this is like this is worth it now like this is worth uh, you know a cheap meal right so i think that that's a really good a really good way to to do it. Do you have this with with all types of foods, or is it all like kind of like junk foods? It's only like yeah, the treat meals kind of things, and like yeah, then I have like like whereas like if I'm eating well, I, I eat pretty well, like pretty healthy in in general. So I I have a little scale. Let's say if I'm eating at a restaurant, then and it's like a healthy restaurant, then I want like look for like okay, is there chicken? Um, pasture-raised, it's a hormone-free, antibiotic-free. By the way, in Canada or in Ontario, all chicken has to be antibiotic-free and hormone-free anyways. So that you can pretty check it off the list. And then, or is there beef grass-fed? And I like tend to be that person who asks like, oh, where do you source your beef from, right? Is it local? Is it like grass-fed? And it's hard to find grass-fed beef in Ontario because we don't have, we have winter, right? So <laughs> We have winter here, so like a lot of our cows get end up getting fed grains and corn, and like that's why it's important for us to ask those questions. So you know, if it's like not grass fed, then maybe like I would say go for the next best best thing then, right? Right. Yeah, and I don't think that that's you know some some people at restaurants might find that that's weird. Some people you go out with might find like oh that's a weird question to ask the waiter, but. It's like we're putting this food inside of our body. Like we should, we should know what's what's in it. it, it this should be yeah, more normalized. Like I'll also ask like questions like, oh, what kind of oil do you use, right? Because I generally don't eat a lot of canola oil. Not that like it's like completely off the table. I'll like introduce it maybe like 
twice a month kind of thing, but like, it wouldn't be like a regular thing. I would not cook it with it at home. It's not even in my shelves at all. Right. So, right. How long did it take you to really get or become aware of what you were cooking you or, or eating? Sorry. You referenced a little bit earlier about the tracking our food and, you know, a lot of trainers and, and people who have been involved in fitness for a while. Like we've all gone through periods of like meticulously weighing and counting our food and the macros and then everything. How long did it take you to really kind of get a more intuitive sense of, of what, what's going into your body? And then you can kind of just eyeball things. Uh, I think it just takes, it just takes practice. I think, you know, like, um, Malcolm Gladwell will say to the 10,000 hour rule, maybe I'm at the 10,000 hours, maybe I'm not yet, but like, it just takes a little bit of practice, a little bit of, yeah getting used to and just also listening to your body. So let's say if I'm eating 300 grams of steak, for example, right? That's, that's like 65 grams of protein. Like I would know how much is that just by looking at it because I eat it so often that I'm like, okay, this is about 300 grams. But then where I was like going to a restaurant and restaurants, they, they won't give you 300 grams unless you ask for a double steak or triple the steaks. Usually they give you four or five ounces. Um, then you know that's not enough and then next thing you know you're still hungry and you're gonna add well for me i i work out a lot and i move a lot so i need a little bit more than the average so that's right, how i course. just know i like my body would cue me like you didn't eat enough today yeah it, it's, it's an interesting thing that that comes over time where you can genuinely rely on your hunger and and what your body's feeling but i think that it, it, like you said, it's a skill that's developed over time. It's not something yeah. that kind of like it ha- doesn't happen right away for sure. And and it's almost, I find it almost like a little bit dangerous and a little bit of a slippery slope to sort of advocate for that for other people who are just starting out. Because if you just rely on your body and, oh, when my body thinks it's hungry, when my body wants that food, like I want to eat cookies and pizza all day long, if that's what my, I'm just what my body wants. Right. But, yeah. but that's obviously not really how it goes so we need to kind of be a little bit strict with ourselves, and then learn how to be quote-unquote intuitive eaters to 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 be able to just kind of eat freely without meticulously tracking everything yeah and i generally like with a lot of my new clients too especially with health coaching um i'll do an intake form i'll ask them like you know how much activity you're getting every day like are you getting like ten thousand steps are you getting five thousand steps right how often do you train how intensely do you train? So then I get their, like, get an idea of like what their daily energy expenditure is like. And then I ask them for their weight, their height, their age, and then like body fat percentage. And then I can give them like exactly what macros they should be hitting. And obviously there's like, you know, lenient windows around and then just get them to just even start tracking. If that is too advanced for them, I'll just get into them to start like even just food journaling. Yeah. Right. That's, just getting an idea of what they're putting in their body. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's that's almost always for me where where I go first is like let's just and and it, for from myself from the coach's perspective, like I I trust what you're saying, but also I I don't really trust what the, what the person is saying. It's like oh I eat well, like okay, show me yeah. what you eat, and then we'll see how well you, how well you yeah. eat, right? So almost everybody thinks they eat well. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because nobody, nobody eats unless you eat really bad. Nobody purposely eats junk food all the time. And, and not to say that it's anyone's fault that they don't eat healthy. You know, there's so much nonsense of information out there that what one thinks is healthy might actually not be healthy. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's our job as the coach to explain to them and show them how that's not beneficial to them. But anyways, be, becoming aware of what we're eating is such a big step. And I think that that is almost one of the biggest the biggest highlights and, and the most important steps getting started because so often it's like we don't realize that we had a few chips before dinner or, you know, a, a scoop of ice cream at night. And it's like you just don't think of it because it wasn't really a conscious meal. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an, it's an interesting, it's an interesting process. What are some, what are some funny things and don't name any names, but what are some funny things that you've seen, uh, from people who in their food tracking or food journaling, that's like, Oh, this is healthy. And then you look at it. It's like, Oh, what's going on here? Uh, I'm not going to name it. Well, like, I mean, I, I've helped, I've helped clients. I've seen like cheesecake for breakfast. You know, that was a pretty funny one, but like, you know, and then we can get this client from eating cheesecake for, for breakfast and then like, you know, over time to having a green smoothie for breakfast. I mean, that's, that's a big progress. 
Yeah. That's a right? huge progress. So, that's huge progress. And one that but doesn't, like, sorry, one that, one that doesn't count or, or one that doesn't rely on counting macros, right? If you substitute that cheesecake and you, uh, you know, go to a next step and next up and next up and you get to some sort of green smoothie, you can almost guarantee you without counting and weighing and measuring anything, that person is going to be in a better place health wise. And we don't need to, we don't need to carry a scale around with us. So sure. as, as much as the macros and everything matters, also just like the choices matter as well. Yeah. And like, and I have like clients who come in and like just different stages too, where you have ones who just want to clean up their diet a little bit or just hitting certain goals and they need a little bit of accountability. Some are like, oh, I really don't know why I can't stop eating the chips. And I'm like, okay, let's just get, get rid of it out of the environment so you don't see it like, you know out of sight, out of mind. Right. And then right. it's like, okay, that's a great idea. Right. Like, why didn't you even think about it? Just have it out of sight. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it seems, it seems so obvious to, to us because, you know, we do this, it's our job, but, yeah. but to others, it, it might not be that obvious. And there, and there may very well be, you know, very legitimate reasons why they have that in their house or there's, you know, there's some emotion underlying emotional issues or something else. Well, sometimes going- it's just like, um, yeah, environmental, influences like family members who just have it in stock at home, mm-hmm. for, example, for example, right? So you just got to sometimes have those conversations. Yeah. Like if you don't have to support me in my journey, can you please have it somewhere else or something? Yeah. 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 And, and I think that's, boundaries. that's a big, that's a big part of, uh, of coaching, right? It's just, we have to understand, again, I say this a million times, but we have to understand like the person first. We can't, it's, it's very easy to say like, okay, here's your diet. Here's your macros. Eat exactly these foods and nothing else. Like that would be the easiest job in the world. I could just do that once and then just send it to everybody and, but nobody would follow it obviously. So there's so much more to like this whole human thing. And like, how do we figure out how to like, actually, why is that person having cheesecake for breakfast? Why are they having six Coca-Colas a day? Like what is going on in this person's life that they do that or think that that's okay, or they can't stop or, you know, whatever the case may be. But that's where, you know, all the questions and all the why and the intake and all this stuff, it matters so much. And unfortunately, it's just not, it's just not the norm, right? Which we can go forever as to why that might be, but it's not the norm. And so it's, you know, conversations like this that just, hey, you need to figure out more stuff here. Yeah, I think like James Clare talks about this a lot too, right? Like, so let's say like, what is that trigger, right? And what mm-hmm. is the craving, and then what is the reward? And then noticing these three steps and unlearn it or replace it with something else. Right. And it all starts with awareness, right? Yeah. Awareness. Yeah. I want to kind of shift gears a little bit into the actual training side of things. So another thing that I see that you do often is daily sets of pull-ups and <laughs> something. And by often, I mean every single day because daily equals every day. But, um, one thing that I've kind of spoken about it here before, but it's like the concept of like these micro workouts. So especially when we're all busy, we're all crazy, even as trainers, like, you know, your schedule can get pretty filled up. It can be difficult to find three hours in the week to train. But if you can find five minutes to do a set of pull-ups or a set of push-ups or squats or something like that, it really adds up over the course of a week. So tell me about how that, like, how long have you been doing these daily pull-ups for? It started, it started in January. Mm -hmm. actually um started in january because i wanted to hold myself accountable i would i remember i was able to only do maybe two and a half or three pull-ups and i was training a client to be able to do five so i'm like i need to be able to do five myself (laughs) if i'm training this client to get five so i was i started so i i think i did a post about it on my instagram um that like you know coaches need accountability too so i'm just gonna get it up uh, let it out there that by March, I'm going to be able to do five. So because I've put it out there, I start practicing it every day and then just understand like what it takes to get the five. Like you got to do your dead hangs, you got to do your hollow body holds and scaffolds, all the fun jazz behind the scenes, besides just actually just doing the pull-ups and, and not just how it started. I started in January and then I think by February I was able to do five. And then by March I was able to do seven. But and then after my, after March, I'm like, I'm just going to continue with this because I know if I don't keep going, I would probably lose it. And I think it's pretty badass for a woman to be able to do five pull-ups. 
It is. It's it's very it's yeah. very impressive. Like it's it's one of those things. That pull-ups is a, is a simple movement in that like most people know what it is, but the average person you go like walk down the street like the average person cannot do a pull-up like not even close, right? And yeah. and, and for women more just in general less upper body strength blah, blah blah. It's a lot harder. Like I have a lot of you know female clients who are super strong, but for whatever reason the pull-up is just like it just doesn't come right. And it we train it yeah. so much. It just it's so hard and it's difficult movement. It's so, like an too it's just like yeah. it's just a lot harder for us to be able to like achieve a pull up but I, I i'm able to help a lot of my female clients get their first, first pull up or even more right so so it's like it's not impossible you can totally do it and for me i just keep i do it every day it's i set an alarm on my phone so this is actually my trick um in my reminder app on my iphone i put every day at 9 a.m it'll, it'll come off and it'll be like complete 15 pull-ups nice so i'll like break it up into, into three sets of five so and i it will keep reminding me until i do it so I that's think, why i do my daily sets of pull-up no so just keep it up it's it's perfect and i think it's a great it's a great exercise if you have uh like a pull-up bar in your house but but you can also apply this same thing to to any exercise you want to improve your squats exercise, you want to improve exactly. push-ups sit-ups like it doesn't really matter hip thrust one, one that i actually use with a couple clients during the during the height of the pandemic or the beginning of it was like, we, you know, we had made so much work on like, on, on glute gains, let's just call it that. And it's like, well, how do we keep this without any, any weight, anything? It's like, well, just, I said to her, I said, through the course of the day, do a hundred hip thrusts. Like I, you don't do, yeah, all, I'll do not, it. not all at once, but do 10 here in an hour, do another 10, you know, whatever it is, get a hundred in. And, and in, for all intents and purposes, it worked, but it's because of this, like, every single day, do it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit over time. And now that's not the best way to train in normal environments when we have a full gym and access to everything. Yeah. There's, there's better ways to do things, but I think for the, for the habit building, um, it's a really yeah. good and way the to, specific, to do it. Specificity of it too, right? Like just, yeah. if you want to improve on something, you just gotta like, like outliers gotta put that 10,000 hour rule in, right. Or that 10,000 reps in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and pull-ups seems to be to me anyways, and I don't know if this is the same in your experience, it's one of those exercises that if you don't keep up with them, they go away very quickly. They go even, away even if so you're training. fast. Yeah. Even if you're, yeah, hundred percent. That's why I'm doing it every day. Yeah. Even on a Sunday, I'm like, I just got to do it just because I don't know if I miss a day, I might not be able to do one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You never, you never know. And you, and you certainly don't want to, you don't want to lose it after all the work that it took to, to, like to build up to my it. trip, my recent trip to New York, I was like literally looking for gyms around us <laughs> at the hotel. So like I can go to a gym and perform my 15 pull-ups while I'm away. <laughs> it's like, can I buy a day pass? It's 30 bucks. I need to be in the gym yeah. for, for two minutes to do a set of pull-ups. Is Just that two okay? Minutes. Yes. No, well, like actually class pass, it was my trick. Oh, okay. So I don't know if anyone ever had class pass, you can like basically change locations and I can like access to a lot of gyms with class pass. Nice. Away, so. That's I actually, I actually didn't know that. That's a great tip. I should yeah. get on that, but yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Cause you were in Austin recently, right? Yeah, I was in, I was in Austin and, and I only, I, I was only there for like four or five days. So I went to on it. like one specific gym there, which was amazing and yeah. uh, fantastic experience of my life. I won't spend I'd love too to much. to go check out on it one day. Yeah, I, I highly, highly recommend it as as another trainer and someone who's into like, you know, combining all the stuff. It's a yeah. it's a it's a special place for sure. Um, in 2019, I went to um, achieve fitness before they closed down. OK, so yeah. So because like Lord and Jason were actually my coaches, so they yes. were my mentors online. So we had the opportunity to go there in person and then like learn from them in person. So that was like my big gym, like going to another space and like checking out the space Yeah. after seeing it online for so long. It's, it's impressive. And I obviously don't, I, I didn't go to the one that you just mentioned, but it's impressive that uh, these kind of places, they have, um, you know, a strong online presence. You, you have this like picture of it in your head. And then when you get there, it, it meets expectations. There's a lot of this, you know, like don't meet your heroes thing. And, and I think I did a whole podcast on, on my trip to Austin and whatever, but, um, a part of me was like, oh, I don't like, I'm a little bit nervous to go. Like I want to go, but I'm a little bit nervous because what if it sucks? What if it sucks? And then all this, like that I've liked about it is just like was garbage, but it, it wasn't like that at all. It was amazing and, and exceeded expectation, but it's interesting to see how they can keep that energy across, across all platforms and in, in real life. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah, it is. It is. It is special. And you know, it just, it showed me that things can be done. Things can be done better and everywhere. 
Like if they can do it there, then everyone can do it anywhere. They're not superheroes over there. They, they may seem like it, but <laughs> they, they're not superheroes, right? They're just, they're just people and we can, we can replicate that everywhere. On the daily working out and, and the consistency of it. Another thing that you are very big on is daily step counts. We both, we both wear the, the aura ring and uh, we, 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 we both, we both wear the aura ring. You count your steps on it, show it every single day for accountability. How important is this as part of your actual routine aside from fitness? How important is like getting the steps? It's my daily, daily non-negotiable. Yeah. It's literally my daily non Honestly, before it used to be just 10,000 steps, which is, I started doing this because of the pandemic peak of the Because pe- before the pandemic, I was e- easily making 20,000 steps a day. Right. Easily because of the way my business was structured. I used to be that trainer that comes to your condo gym and I train you in your condo gym and like, where my, where I used to be located, like right in the heart of King West, there was just an abundance of condo gyms. And I just like wake up at 6am, walk across the street, train a client. And then 15 minutes in between time, I will go to the next condo, train another client and then just keep going. Right. And then yeah. next thing you know, I look at my aura ring and I'm like, Oh, I had 20,000 steps today. Um, and then because of the pandemic, we were locked in at home. It was a lot harder. Mm-hmm to get that 10,000 steps. And then I noticed that. And then I also noticed that like, like everybody else, I was starting to gain COVID weight. Like I was like probably eating a lot more desserts than I should have. I uh, wasn't really being more any being mindful with what I was consuming about my body, even though I was still prioritizing protein, but just wasn't like as diligent about it. Um, and I think I was celebrating too hard with my husband's birthday. And then I stepped on the scale and I was like heavier than I ever been. And I was like, this can't be happening to me right now. Cause I have like, I have to be in front of a camera. There's a lot of things. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm getting 10,000 steps. That's my, I know that's doable for me. I'm going to bump it up. Cause I'm just putting myself through what I put my clients through. I'm going to mm-hmm. bump it up to 12,000 steps a day. You know, 2000 is not that much. And I was already hitting that on most days. So that's how it started. And it started in May. And I think only missed one day because I was traveling to Ottawa. I was like, yeah, I was traveling to Ottawa for one day that I missed it. And I hit 10,000 instead of 12,000. But ever since then, I've been like hitting 12,000 steps a day. But along with my pull-ups and taking my vitamins every day, those are my non-negotiables. Yeah. No, I think, I think that that's amazing. And, and it's, it's very, it's very relatable in that, right? We all had a huge drop in activity. And although, you know, your eating didn't change, our activity level changed drastically. And so, you know, everyone's heard the saying, you can't out-train a bad diet, which in most cases is true. But when you eat the same and then your activity level goes down, yeah, that's that's kind of the definition of like, you can't out-train a bad diet or, or, your, or the opposite, really, where if you just increase those steps again back to your regular activity plus your regular workouts, you're good. So it's it's probably enlightening you tell me if I'm wrong, but it's, it was a little bit enlightening to say like, okay, well, people who don't have super active jobs, this is their, this is their day to day. And it's, it's a, it, it's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world to go get 10,000 steps. Cause you have to force yourself to just go for a walk for the sake of going for a walk. Yeah, no. And I, I've actually helped a lot of clients like break the plateau because they have this daily goal that they have to send me at the end of the day. So it's just pretty amazing to see because like, you know, as like primal creatures were meant to be walking a lot, right? Like hunter gatherers were walking a lot. So like get out there and walk, especially if you're living downtown, there's no excuses. There's so much things yeah. to see. It's a little bit harder if you're like in the suburbs, mm-hmm. but like downtown Toronto, like you have no excuses. Just go out there, like make little, little trips to the grocery store. You don't have to go do one round. I know like in COVID, during COVID people want to just do one round not be exposed to so many, so many people, but I mean, you can do it safely too. For sure. Yeah. And I've definitely felt that since I, since I recently moved out of the city back to the suburbs, like when I was downtown, it was, it was easy to get steps because there's always somewhere else to go. There's always, Oh, I never walked down that street before because whatever, just never went that way before. So let me just go see what shops are on that street. Let me go this way. Let me go that way. There's a lot more to see when I'm back here now. It's like, well, it's just my neighborhood. I've walked around my neighborhood uh, like 8 million times. I know every single pebble in the road here, you know, there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing new to see. So it's, it's a little bit, and there's nowhere to go. I'm not getting anywhere. It's just walking for the sake of walking. So it's, it's a little bit more challenging, but you know, you just have to like 
be okay with going out for a walk aimlessly. And, you know, you listen to a podcast, you call a friend, you, you meditate while you're walking, like whatever it is for you, use that time. Don't think of it as kind of like dead time or wasted time. Like I have to go for a walk, make it productive in some, in some other way, I think is a really good, it's been helping me anyways, being outside of the city to, to go for walks. Yeah. I put on a podcast the other day it was storming rain and I just, yeah, put, grab an umbrella, raincoat podcast and then off I go. Exactly. Yeah. You can still walk in the rain. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's just a little bit of water. We have, we have advanced technology like umbrellas and raincoats that, that allow yeah, us to exactly. not get. I have a client actually, like she goes to a, a parking lot during when it rains and like she walks around the parking lot. What's, and what's her, ra- like, I'm not judging, but what's, what's the rationale there? I think that's, that's fantastic. But what, what's, like she, she, she needs to show me that she's hitting her 10,000 oh, steps okay. a day. So like <laughs> she has to send me her numbers and then I was like, how did you hit it? It was raining all day. And she's like, oh, I went to a parking lot, put on a um, podcast and just started walking up and down the ramp. And I'm like, oh, oh, like okay. she goes to like an indoor, like an indoor, yeah, 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 uh, like yeah. a garage parking lot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. I thought, I thought you meant she just goes to like an empty parking lot and, and like walks circles around the parking no, lot no, in no. the she rain. She goes to like an indoor parking lot with ramps and then she just like puts on a podcast and goes up and down, up and down. That's and perfect. That's she, perfect. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like I, she makes it work. Yeah. I find it to be a great part of my day. Like I, I always feel better after I go for a walk. I, I've, I've said this to a bunch of people. It's like you've no one has ever gone for a walk and then be like, wow, I feel terrible after doing that. <laughs> you always feel better. Even if it's just five minutes, go outside, breathe a little yeah, bit of fresh get air. Get some vitamin D. Get yeah. outside. Yeah. Like let the sun, let the sun touch your skin, like forget your sunglasses and covering your whole body. And like, okay, I know it's going to get cold here and shortly in a couple months or a couple weeks, but you know, get outside, like go, go outside and you're going to feel better guaranteed. hundred percent. Yeah. How much do you use the aura ring to track your sleep and how much have you changed your sleep because of it? Like I think sleep, I talk about sleep a lot in my, on my social media, but Mm -hmm. I struggle with sleep because of my years of very poor sleep habits. Mm -hmm. So I've been tracking for over two years now. Yeah, like, like a hat. yeah, I've been tracking for over two years. Um, it has helped me become more aware of what I'm struggling with. Like, I struggle with getting enough REM, but that's because, like, a lot of screen time. Um, if I'm free, and, and yes, I have the tools for it. Like, I wear like blue light blocking glasses here and there, but it's like sometimes it's just forget you forget to put it on, right? Yeah. And I have three pairs, and I have it all around the house, just around my side. If I see it, I should be putting it on, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. Um, so I struggle with REM and I struggle with restfulness. So let's say, for example, um, if I sleep for seven hours, I'm in bed for seven hours, I'm only getting six hours of sleep. Right. Even though I don't remember myself waking up, but I, I apparently I toss internal. So. And what, so what do you do to sort of improve it or how, or how did you start improving it once you, once you got the ring and started tracking all these things? Uh, so once I got, well, I get really happy whenever I do a getter crown on aura ring. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's really happens. But when I do, I, I, I'm like really happy about it. Uh, uh, some of the tools that like some of the steps I do is sometimes like taking, take a nice bath before bed. Cause that will get my temperature down and um, it helps me with my sleep. I do find that when I do that, it helps me get better restfulness. And when I, actually put the phone away an hour, mm-hmm. hour, two hour before bed. Like one time it actually happened because I wasn't aware. I had like, I was like, I think talking to friends. I was out talking to friends, forgot my phone kind of thing. And then just went to bed. And then like next day I was like, Oh, I got a crown. How did that happen? What did I do? I'm like, Oh, okay. I wasn't on my phone. That's why. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy how, how much those things can affect it. And we don't even really realize it. Like the phone for me is, is the big one too. Like I, yeah. I sleep pretty good, you know, knock on wood. I sleep pretty well. What's your sleep score? It's, it's usually like 85 plus. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'm not, so not, jealous. Not to brag, but. Yeah. I but was like it, 83 yesterday and I was like, that was good. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, like pre pandemic, when I was like, you know, 12 plus hours a day in the gym. My sleep score was like 65 to 70. And then if you look okay. at like my aura history, you can see like when COVID started because then my sleep just like went, yeah. went way back up. But that's because yeah. I was going to bed at midnight and waking up or, you know, 11 o'clock and waking up at 430. Like 
of course, like that's not nearly enough. And I knew that. And it was a sacrifice and a trade off that I was willing to make at the time and, and all that stuff. But, but yeah, I sleep, I sleep pretty well, but I'll even notice, you know, if I am on my phone late at night before I go to bed, you know, the, the score will be, the score will be a little bit less eating late at night. Definitely eating late at night is a huge thing for me. Yeah. Like it would elevate my resting heart rate. And then, and, yeah. and I tell my clients that too, all the time, like, you know, if you eat late, late at night, it's going to affect your recovery. And then you can't really train as hard the next day. Mm-hmm. A lot of my clients are on the aura ring too. So nice. we get to like give each other feedback on that. It's yeah. like, it's, as coaches, a little bit easier. Exactly. Yeah. More, more data is always, is always good, but it's, again, just comes back to like awareness of all these things, right? We, we might think that we sleep well, but we don't, we don't really have a way to quantify that. And, and, you know, just waking up and be like, Oh, I feel rested today. Like that is a good indicator of whether you slept well or not, but can it be better? Can it be better? Can it be better? Right. Yeah. Now but, I used to think I sleep very well because I'm like, Oh yeah, I fall asleep. Like no problem. But yeah. like falling asleep too fast is not good. Yeah. It's cause you're exhausted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause <laughs> yeah. you're exhausted. And I'm like my latency latency last night was two minutes and I'm yeah. like, okay, I was too tired. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest one for me has uh, the biggest awareness for me has been, uh, coffee. And, and it sounds obvious, like in hindsight, like I, you know, I like my coffee and I drink probably too much, but that's okay. But if I have coffee late in the day, like I'm the type of person I can have an espresso and I can go straight to sleep. Like I'll fall asleep oh. without, without too many issues, but it still affects my actual quality of sleep. And I didn't really know that until I had a way to track it. So just because you're the type of person, if you're like me, who's like, oh yeah, I have coffee at night or after dinner and go right to bed. No problem you would have a better sleep if you didn't have that coffee. I yeah. promise. You. I have a caffeine curfew, I think after three o'clock, but I generally mm-hmm. have one coffee a day. Um, oh, wow. if like any days, girl. yeah, I have a one coffee a day. If I do more, if I ever feel like I need more than one, then I, my sleep was really bad the night, the night before, if I right. ever feel like I need more than one. And, um, and yeah. And then talking about coffee late at night, if I'm having tiramisu late at night, like there's caffeine in that. And that yeah. was just, grew up my sleep, even though it's delicious going down and it's like a worth it 10 out of 10 scale, but like, it's going to affect my recovery the next day because like my, my resting heart rate is elevated and like just screws up everything. Of course. And, and you know what, at, at some point, like you said, it's 10 out of 10 on the worth it scale. It's worth it to make that trade-off, but you're aware yeah. of that trade-off. So, you know, you might not plan, uh, a super heavy lift early in the morning the next day, because you know that you're going to be eating late and having caffeine late at night. And so, but you wouldn't know that had you not been aware of all these things. So I think yeah. a, a big key as to, to everything that we've been kind of speaking to or speaking about up to this point is like, it's very important to be aware of what we're actually doing, what we're actually doing, not what we think we're doing, what we're actually doing. Yeah. hundred percent. Awareness is key. Yeah. The kind of last kind of topic that I want to get into with you. And it's something again, that I, we spoke about this before is, and, and it builds off this awareness of, and especially with Zoom and training at home and everybody's, you know, families are all in each other's face all the time, uh, is the idea of like family training. So parents training in front of children or with children or, you know, moms training with, with you know, husbands and wives training together and all this stuff. How important is that in, in your client's progress over this past year and a half or two years, whatever it's been? I think it's so important to train, I guess I train a lot of moms and uh, some love training in front of their kids because you're showing them that fitness is part of your lifestyle. So, and it, I think it's kind of cute that like one, one client that I train uh, virtually online and she always, sometimes with like her daughters, not in daycare or sons on daycare, they're like, they're watching her workout or something or they want to join. Um, and they don't really get in the way as much, so I don't mind it. But like at least they're showing up, and they they're they're excited to work out. Whenever they see their mom in her workout gear or going downstairs to the basement, like oh my god, I need to come with you. I mm-hmm. want to work out too. So I think it's important to show that. And I've seen that also parallel with like a lot of my clients who are like my twenty, my young twenty year old female clients. Um, they're not afraid of investing in a coach because they've seen their parents train with a trainer all their lives right so they're like okay yeah my parents have been training with trainers ever since i was a child and i watched that so they have no problem and i and i think you you know this as a coach yourself that sometimes it's hard to get the younger crowd to invest in a personal trainer or a coach whereas like i see that parallel where like a lot of my younger clients already see it their parents training with coaches that they are they're okay with making that investment right 
and ju- and justifiably so. I mean, what we do is not free, and uh, like I think we you know we both understand the value that we that we offer. But obviously, you know, younger people generally have less income to spend on things that are not essential. And by essential, I mean like food and water, <laughs> like and rent. But you know, things that are not necessary to live your life on a day to day basis. So. But seeing parents, moms and dads, grandparents, maybe uh, kind of invest in that and, and take make that a priority in their life is is hugely is hugely important. And the younger one starts, and you know we're both young, but the younger one starts, the the better off you're going to be. It's yes, you can start training when you're sixty, when you're seventy, and you can still make progress and improve your life and and all these things. But it would have been a lot better if you did that when you were twenty, right? Yeah, and our parents are our first teachers too, right? And for myself, for example, my parents did not work out or fitness was just not part of their lifestyle. So it was like, it took me a long time. I think I was 28 years old when I signed up for a gym membership. But had I seen that as, and what I saw as a child was like my parents were working a lot. So then I thought, okay, when I grow up, I have to work a lot. Right. So, did you, did you play sports at all as a kid? If badminton counts. Of course it counts. Like, it's in the Olympics. Yeah. 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 Badminton, that was probably my, the only thing I really did, but I wasn't very athletic growing up because uh, in high school I used to wear glasses. So I had this like ball phobia that like the ball is going to hit my glasses and it's going to fall onto the ground and then everyone's going to laugh at me. So, so I wasn't very active. That's an, that's an interesting (laughs) barrier to sport that I haven't heard of before luckily again I, I know my eyesight is pretty good for now i don't need glasses but i've never really heard that but i mean it makes it makes logical sense right and i guess you know fast forward a few years now you f- forget to wear the blue light glasses yeah <laughs> but um, that's that's an interesting one when did you start to get more active than i guess like just 28 when you when you kind of joined the gym and that's how it that's yeah, how it all started. I, think I was 24 when i started just going to yoga just mm-hmm. doing yoga classes and then 28 I signed up for a gym membership um funny story of how I even signed up was I was working at a nightclub and then I think I just and then the do you remember extreme fitness yes yes I do yeah yeah, yeah. so like before good life bought out extreme fitness mm-hmm. um this manager at extreme was like okay I have the contract I'm gonna come to your nightclub and then you're just gonna sign it for me I'm like cool so like he got me a great deal too so he, like it was like 1 30 a.m in the morning I'm like <laughs> bar signing my contract and then he was like cool i'll email you tomorrow and then you'll get your your tag kind of thing and i'm like cool and then yeah that's how i signed my my first gym contract was it in a club that's amazing at 1 30 a.m in the morning (laughs) and then here Um, and then here we are all these years later and here we are it was yeah it's crazy and how i that even i started working out on my own but it wasn't like you know, like anybody first time going to the gym, I didn't have a coach or anything. I like you go, you just do the things that you're comfortable with. So like walking on the treadmill, do a couple abs exercises, bicycle front, just like peace out. But then what yeah. I did do really well was, was I was very consistent. Right. So I did show up uh, five times a week. I was like, you know, what? I'm paying for this membership. I'm just going to show up five times a week and then just see where that goes. And then I see a little progress just by like just showing up. And then eventually I started, um, I started training at the factory, but then I also met a coach and then that's how it all started. Right. Yeah. The, the consistency thing, it, it really, it beats everything else. I mean, mm-hmm. of course it would be better if you trained, you know, intelligently and properly and, you know, perfectly quote unquote from the beginning, but that's impossible. But if you show up every day or, or every, however many days, you know, one is going to show up it's going to beat out everything else. And, and, you know, like you just mentioned about people going to the gym for the first time, there's nothing wrong with buying a gym membership and you go there and you walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes just to kind of like feel comfortable in that environment and like kind of get a sense. Okay. What are people doing? You walk up to a machine, you know, as silly as, you know, for us trainers, sometimes you read those little instructions on the machine and, and, you know, you try and figure it out, ask someone, ask somebody for help. People are willing to help you. Right. But you got to be, be committed to, to showing up for, for a, long period of time yeah and how i see like you know taking that step of hiring a coach is like getting yourself a gps mm-hmm. you have that destination and then you have this gps that can get you there from a to b a lot more efficiently mm-hmm. and a lot faster so that's how that, i see it that's an amazing analogy actually because you think about I, i've thought about this all a lot is like 
all of this information is more or less like freely available on the internet. You can find videos and, and articles and stuff on how to do exercises, what workout program to use, you know, nutrition, well, all this stuff. But there's so much of it. It's like a it's like a paper map for anybody who's, I don't know, less than 55 or 60. I don't know. We use a big paper map. Like if someone shows me a paper map, I have no idea how to get anywhere. That is completely useless to me. But you give me a, like, you know, an app on a, or a map on a smartphone and with GPS directions, like, yeah, I'll get there. And, and I think that that's a good, that's a good way to think about it as a coach. Like the map exists. It's all there on the internet, but you have no way yeah. to know how to navigate it. Yeah. And then with the navigation too, it gives, it's like ways. It'll give you the shortcuts, sort yeah. of, the sort of shortcuts. Yeah. Faster yeah. way to get there. Yeah. The faster, at least avoiding, like avoiding traffic. Maybe we'll say that, right? Avoiding, Avo- avoiding the speed bumps, avoiding like doing dumb stuff. There's yeah. no fast way. There are faster ways, but the faster way is just don't hurt yourself <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Don't hurt like, yourself. Don't do stuff that's going to work against you. Don't hit a tree. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. generally, generally some, some good <laughs> advice. What do you think about, um, cause I know, cause I know that you do a lot of the class, uh, the class-based workouts. What do you like better? class-based workouts, one-on-ones, I prefer, how do you view I'm, them in the whole I'm process? honestly, I'm a one-on-one kind of girl. I, 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 I'm, I'm very introverted myself. So for me to even like become this coach and like teach, like do, I, I see like being an instructor, teaching classes in um, a public space, like at the factory, for example, it's my way of practicing public speaking. Mm-hmm. So it helps me with my public speaking, but like I prefer to work one on one and like teach people the fundamentals and then like help them with like whatever they like, you know, like customized training. I'm not a big fan of group classes. And I think you're not either. Right. In, in general, I'm not. No. Yeah. <laughs> but I do it because yeah. it, I, I look at it as my way of like giving back. To the community. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my, my thing with the group classes and and I feel that I always feel the need to like qualify this or clarify this, but it's like, I like them. I'm happy that people are getting off the couch and exercising, like all that stuff, like very good. I get the sense of community. I get that they're fun, loud music, sweaty room, all good stuff. Cool. But my thing is always like, we, we don't have to do a group class with all this stuff and just do like jumping jacks and 55 burpees and do like a million silly exercises just to get like sweaty and all hyped up like we can do this in a way that like makes a little bit more sense and it's not extra work from from the trainer or from the gym or anything it's just choose you know a little bit better exercises like care a little bit more i I find that a lot of the group classes and stuff that i've seen and participated in and heard about is it's it's all it's more cheerleading than than coaching and people are still paying good money for that and and again I'm happy that you're moving rather than sitting on the couch, but we as the, the fitness people, that's who I'm talking to, not the people participating in these classes, the, the the teachers, the coaches, the whoever you want to, whatever you want to call yourself, we can, we can do better at these class things. And I think, you know, it's people like you who are doing better at these kind of things. And we just need more of that. Yeah. But also like I thought for like a lot of beginners, yeah, like you said, it's, it's great that they're moving and maybe that is like their entry point. And then they realize that, maybe I do need a coach to yeah. get me further because I can't be doing 50 burpees or hundred burpees in a class and then like doing squats. And then the next day I'm still doing back squats or like, it's not programmed properly. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So like they I'm, probably need to follow up a proper program. Exactly. I'm sure you've had the same, but I've had a, a number of clients who started out at, you know, some type of group class and they're like, Oh, then I, I got injured. I'm like, well, okay, show me your squat. And then they show me and it's like, well, Okay. And you did like 150 of those in a class. Like, of course you got injured. If that's, if that's what you call a squad and that's what you were doing with no instruction plus weight on your black, plus all this stuff, of course you're going to get injured. Right. And, and that, that is what makes me sad. Whereas people are getting, people are getting hurt and still spending money and there's just no further instruction. But but I can, also I see a lot too. in these group classes that is that there's like more pushing than pulling. Yeah. And most people need more pulling versus pushing, depending on like most people, like, as you say, yeah, like, most I people. usually like it with like programming, it's like two times pulling versus pushing, especially if you're like forward at shoulders or your posture is forward at shoulder or you're on in front of a desk all day. Right. So um, everyone. But yeah, pretty much everyone nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, yeah the, unfortunate, the unfortunate thing with the pulling is like, it takes a little bit, takes a little bit more equipment. So when you're working with nothing, you can't really pull against 
nothing. Like you need, you need some gravity or some resistance to pull against. And so you can, you know, you bend over. This is something I've gone on and on about for forever is like, you know, you hold a can of soup and you do like a, a one arm row, like, okay. That was nice at the beginning of the pandemic nice. when, yeah, when we had. Yeah, and then now you can't do. Now you gotta load your backpack with a bunch of cans of soup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you know, a ninety-nine-year-old grandmother can can do a row with a with a can of soup, and I think she would even find that quite easy. So you know, you twenty-five-year-old person who's doing a row with a can of soup, like it's just not doing anything for you. And so we need to stop stop pretending that we're doing something. Like it's fine. Move. I'm happy. But you know, let's stop pretending. That's that's my that's my big thing. But I'll cut off my rant there. No, no, I can rant about this all day too. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> what uh, what do you have coming up? Where can uh, where can people look out for you? Anything online and all that stuff? What do I have coming up? Uh, I have. Well, we're launching uh, on on the Umfa, the box kickboxing app. Um, Mm-hmm. that I've been on for a while now. Uh, we are launching a dumbbell uh, program coming up. So awesome. I'm going to be leading it with the other head coach, Michael. So he's going to be doing the kickboxing portion and I'm teaching the dumbbell portion. So we, we filmed that last year. So now, and then we finished programming it. So it should be launching sometime this year. Nice. I'm excited for that. Um, and what else is coming up? Well, yeah, I've been pretty busy with work wise, like one-on-one clients. I'm like completely full. Have a few health coaching clients starting this week too. So wonderful. Yeah. And, yeah. and Fit Factory is opening a new location. Oh, yes. Fit Factory is starting opening a new location uh, at Mid- in Midtown. So Young and Edlington. That's opening October 2nd. Wonderful. So, yeah. Awesome. That's the grand opening of Fit Factory. I'm not sure if I'm teaching there yet because it's a little bit far for me. The King yeah. West location is a lot closer for me. So yeah, yeah. When, when one thing I realized moving out of downtown is like when you're downtown, if if it's more than like five to ten minutes away, it's too far. It's too far. Yeah, <laughs> if it's like past floor, it's too far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when you live out of the suburbs, like the, like the gym that I'm just like working out at now for myself, it's like a eighteen to twenty minute drive. But it's like yeah, whatever, no problem. But if I was downtown, like absolutely no way I'm going to that gym. Absolutely no. It was a no. Like I remember even before I met my husband, um, mentally I was like attract, like thinking, manifesting my future partner. And at (laughs) at the time I was living in like close to Liberty Village. So I was like, okay, I am not going, uh, the furthest I would go is Spadina. King and Spadina. That was furthest I would go. Like my my partner would have to live around there. (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm not going any further than that. To, to have dinner or have like, you know, just see, see my partner. So like yeah. I was single all the time. And then funny enough, <laughs> he lived at King of Bathers. So he was like, just in the border. I was yeah. like, okay, great. Okay. We can hang out. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the first checkbox where, where he lives. Yeah. Everything else will come second. As long as he's within the, within the radius. Well, he has to, yeah, he has to live within that circle that I like that little map that I created in my head. And he also have to work out regularly train regularly yeah and then also be to be a foodie and he checked all those boxes perfect <laughs> then it all worked out but but yeah. to relate that to fitness and, and we'll, we'll kind of end here but to relate that to fitness is like you don't need to yeah i said i go to a gym that's like 18 to 20 minute drive away from me but you don't need to like go out of your way to do this stuff like make habits that are that are convenient to your life don't don't try and aim for something that's gonna throw off your whole schedule you don't need to spend four hours a day going to the gym if it's going to be like a two-hour commute like that's silly Right. You got to find yeah, ways to like, integrate this stuff into your life. There, there's a study that they're saying that, like, if your gym is not eight minutes away from where you live, then it's a lot harder for you to make it part of your routine. For sure. Whether it's driving or walking. So even because of the pandemic, a lot of people did buy gym home equipment. I find that like a lot of people are a lot fitter. Some, mm-hmm. some are not, maybe not, but like <laughs> some who did buy, buy equipment and then make it work virtually with a trainer or virtually through classes, they make it work, right? Like my client that I train online, my mom client, she like, that's all we've done ever, right? right. She reached out to me actually pre-pandemic, but she lives way too far. So like I told her like, you know, you, you're way too far for me. So then, and then a year later during the pandemic, she noticed that I was training people online. She reached out and then we've been virtual since. And she's like, she was like explaining to me how like she'd never had such great results with the trainer 
and it's virtual and she, yeah. she doesn't think she'll ever go back to a gym space ever again. Right. That's, that's beautiful. And, and you know, that just speaks, speaks volumes to, to what you're doing and how, how much you're helping. Right. And like you said, just about the home gym, it's, it, it creates, you know, your gym, your whole gym outing is like a two hour ordeal. Now it's like a one hour and five minute ordeal. Cause it takes you a yeah. couple minutes to go or down the stairs. Less. And, yeah. It could be like 40 minutes, go downstairs yeah, or whatever it is, shower. right? But there's no dead time. You shower yeah. right after. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's no, there's no like dead time. Like that 30 minutes you spend commuting or 40 minutes you spend commuting doesn't contribute to your workout. It's just kind of like it's dead time. Right. So it's, uh, you know, make it convenient for yourself and then, and then you'll be much more consistent and blah, 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 blah. All the things will, will happen much better. So Jenny, thank you so much for, uh, for talking with me today. I appreciate your time very much. Thank you so much for having me, Daniel. That was, is, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It flies by, doesn't it? Is there anything else that you want to leave the people with in closing here? I'll include the links to all the, of your, of your, all the things that you mentioned, but rattle them off one more time. And if there's any message you want to leave the people with. Uh, well, they can always just, um, follow me on Instagram. Um, uh, my, Instagram handle is soulmate fit, which is S O U L N A T E F I T. If you like my message, um, yeah, I post regularly there, share a lot of tips, fitness tips. So yeah, you can always reach out or if you want to try out our virtual classes, you can hit up my website, which is soulmatefit.com. And that's about it. Wonderful. I'll be sure to include those things in the show notes. I'd highly encourage you listening to follow Jenny on Instagram. She posts great stuff. I always look forward to <laughs> seeing your stuff. There's a lot of garbage out there. Yours is not one of those things. It's great stuff. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much to everybody for listening. I greatly appreciate you as well. Make sure you give me a follow on Instagram as well when you get a chance at Daniel Yoris, just my name, and to spread this with a friend. If you liked anything you heard in this episode, feel free to reach out to Jenny or myself on Instagram or anywhere else. Make sure you leave a rating and review on iTunes for the podcast. It goes a really long way. And that's all. Thank you. Talk to you soon.